You're listening to My Rapids Real Estate Show on WFHR, that's AM 1320, and now 97.5 FM. We're bringing you real estate news for Wisconsin Rapids, Nakusa, and all of central Wisconsin. Welcome back. I'm Ben. And I'm Carrie Nikolai. And we are with Coldwell Banker Seward Realtors here in Wisconsin Rapids. Yes. And these, again, are all pre-recorded um, episodes. Sh- episodes. But- episodes. There we go. I'm going to get my words together today. <laughs> it's a little bit hard. I mean, today is St. Patty's Day, so I've yet to get to the corned beef and cabbage, but I'm really hoping so. But we've got the green, green grass, which is what I wanted. So I say St. Patty's Day is a win. And so much of our conversation revolves around food. Yes. Um, and we've talked with, you know, people who've had sustainable farms for um, meats and, mm-hmm. and whatnot, you know, uh, lamb and beef and, and chicken. Right. Poultry, we had the uh, 45 mercantile. There we go. Today Antigo. words are not coming well to me. <laughs> but today we've got a very cool special guest with us. We got Pam Walker from Aquaponics. Cold here Snap. And yeah, it's Cold Snap in Nakusa. So again, another great little Nakusa. We've got some really cool things happening in such a little, small little town. Are you in Nakusa or are you in the town of Port Edwards? We are actually in the town of Cranmore. Okay, well, so, we're in Cranmore. There you go. <laughs> but still the Nakusa School District, so. No. No. Port, port School District. It's an port. odd place to be. It's a Port School District, Wisconsin Rapids address, and town of Cranmore. You know, I'm a bat in a thousand here today, so eventually I'll get something right. It's okay. It's a holiday. <laughs> it is. It's a holiday. You're out in that neck of the woods. I am. <laughs> So aquaponics, the cold stamp, how mm-hmm. long have you guys been in business? Um, we started in about five years ago and truly we've been selling uh, produce for about the last three and a half years on okay. a regular basis. So it uh, took us a bit to get up um, all of the ducks in a row. We had to um, produce a greenhouse, so that took some time. And then we also did an experiment of trying to grow all the different kinds of lettuce just mm-hmm. to see what we could do. Um, and then we had to kind of streamline it a little bit better because not everybody thinks 47 different kinds of lettuce is a wonderful thing. So uh, <laughs> now we only grow nine. Okay. And, um, but uh, we had to kind of go through that in order to understand what the consumer was interested in. Okay. So what started the whole entire aquaponics? Because it's usually not the most typical way of farming. <laughs> it isn't. Um, so, um, you know, it's it's a, a combination of things. I love growing things. Okay. I don't like not having fresh green things in Wisconsin in February. I love that smell. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I was also teaching at that time. So... We were trying to do a horticulture class in the middle of winter in Wisconsin um, with no greenhouse and trying to grow things <laughs> in a classroom. <laughs> and so I pitched to my students to get on their websites and just do some random searches about what kinds of interesting and unique agriculture things do we have in Wisconsin that we could maybe visit. And so we somehow glommed onto aquaponics and we took our first trip, um, went down to see an operation. And it turns out that all operations are not uh, succinct. Some are like in this case, this woman bought a barn that was um, historically significant. So they couldn't really change the barn. Okay, yeah. And they put all of the fish uh, in the barn and then she had a giant pipe that um, took all of the material from the fish down to her greenhouse, which was like down a ledge. And so brand new greenhouse. And I thought, well, that's that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can go to Montello, where Nelson and Paid are located. And they are the gurus of the aquaponics world. So they offer classes and we'll design your greenhouse for you and, and help you get your start. Um, and we went there as well. And that was that was definitely a model that you could replicate anywhere. So my students got a chance to see a very unique type of agriculture. And the more research that I did, the more interesting it 
really seemed to be, um, and that it was a 21st century model, very controlled, um, and also very sustainable because we're on such a small footprint mm-hmm. and we generate a lot of material with a lot of smaller inputs. So, um, so that's kind of the start of it. And then of course, nothing happens without that family. Okay. So when I'm jumping up and down at the family meal going, I think we can do this. I think we can do this. <laughs> yeah. They knew mom and was going to come home with a big project. So <laughs> right, that's pretty much it. <laughs> so just kind of like a, a little bit. So aquaponics is growing fruit or vegetables mm-hmm. with just water. So there's very little dirt involved. Um, there's no dirt involved, but it, the, the second point is unlike hydroponics where it's just water, mm-hmm. we incorporate the fish. So that's why it's called aquaponics. So it represents the fish in a water medium. And you could probably grow a lot of different things. Um, it's just that when we looked at what we were going to do, lettuce seemed to be the one. It's got a, a short grow period. It's something that we can actually do in Wisconsin. I mean, I have a banana tree and I have an orange tree and I have a lemon tree, but mm-hmm. all of those are struggling in the you know Wisconsin environment, even though we have lights that will provide a longer grow day, et cetera. Um, they're still not acclimating to the aquaponic system quite as easily as some of the other things that we grow. So, so the water starts in the fish tank. Yes. So this is not because when I really thought of aquaponics and yep. and the fish are, are in there, I always kind of had that envision of. You know, you get the little with the betta fish, oh. where the betta fish are swimming around in the. You, you grow a little yeah, something. Yeah, you grow top. something on the top, and the little betta fish are swimming around yes. there. Yes. So I really thought that we were going to be coming to this ribbon cutting, and we were going to be able to pick up the lettuce and play with the fish. I mean, I really had this envision that there was going to be fish swimming around in the lettuce. I was super excited for this. And it's not the case. Had I only known. <laughs> I know. I was standing there just kind of waiting. Yeah. I mean, it was a very busy day. It was. And I'm like, I'm waiting for the fish. I'm, wait- I'm waiting to see this. And I see the big tanks of fish. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. So she's lifting up that. I'm like, okay, I want to see a fish swimming. <laughs> there was no fish in, in with the, the no. roots. No. So I'm like, okay, well, there's got to be like some other, there's got to be a system. So mm-hmm. there are no fish swimming with the lettuce. No, there aren't. Um, so your example, though, um, is is... But the very simplest example of aquaponics and that okay. you have a fish and you have something growing on top of it. And anybody can do that. You can do it with goldfish. You can do it with koi. Um, the, the thing that I have to be careful of is that if the fish were swimming with the lettuce, they tend to eat the roots. Okay. And so then you wouldn't eventually have any lettuce. So um, we keep them separated. I have a system that's... It's, uh, rated by gallons um, that the fish will swim in. So it's a six five hundred, which means I have six tanks that hold 500 gallons of water in okay. each tank. And then those are hooked up to um, a system that will help break down the nutrient base. So as the fish are swimming in their home, um, then what will happen is every day, two of those tanks will go through and um, we will take off all of the solid materials and begin to have a mixing system and a clarifying system. Mm-hmm. So the goal before the the water goes into the lettuce area is to have the solids removed from the liquid the liquid and you what you don't see is the fact that that's um, has a lot of nutrients in it so you know if you were going to water your plants at home and you were going to apply some fertilizer um, if you used um, an off-the-shelf product you could mix it in water you can kind of see a color change mm-hmm. that doesn't happen with the aquaponic system it's just that when you when you scoop it up and look through it you're going to see clear through it right so so you won't see the the nutrients that are dissolved in there, but you won't see floating masses either. So most people are trying to figure that part out. So mm-hmm. they really have to understand the clarifying system. Um, but <clears throat> what we do with the 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 heavy solids is we put them into a sump pit and then we agitate them with water and they have their own system where you pump that out onto a bed of rocks and um, it cycles four times a day and over the process of that um, it will break down all of the rest of the solid material and then what you can do is you can grow 
uh, things that require a lot of nitrogen in those rock beds. So we grow tomatoes and cucumbers and we've done um, kohlrabi and kale. Um, we've tried and been really successful with artichokes. Um, who knew? Okay. Yep. Um, I tried to grow corn. Uh, it was not, it was a good experiment. Okay. You know, it was not something I'm going to hang my hat on, but um, I'm always in, you know, intrigued by, well, can you grow this? Let's try it. So we planted the corn. It took nine months to get a four foot tall stalk and everything in the greenhouse um, has to um, produce, you know, a little bit quicker than that. But um, in the case of corn, it has to be um, pollinated. Right. Yeah. So I had a corn cob with about six kernels on it, but but it was a good experiment. So right. we had lots of fun. So um, we have uh, the water then from the clarifying system into the fish or uh, into the growing area with the lettuce. Um, and it continues to move the water. So one of the um, things that's unique about aquaponics is the water is moving 24-7. Right. And then it also is pushed through aerators, like in a fish tank, the stones mm -hmm. that you hang. Those are underneath the um, the lettuce roots. And so that provides oxygen to the roots, which then also increases its uh, growth. And then, of course, it gets the high nutrition. So those three things, the water is kept at 72 degrees year-round. Um, so that's encouraging the lettuce to continue to propagate and grow. And then once it um, makes that loop, it comes back and starts again. It goes through the fish tank and, and back out into the lettuce. So it's a, a closed loop system um, in that, you know, if you would put a little rubber ducky in one side and have it float out, it should come back on the other side. So um, we don't have anything introduced to it that we don't physically have to add. So right. um, it's not getting groundwater. It's not getting anything that we haven't already thought about. So, Do you have to refresh the water we do. every so often? Yep. We have uh, float switches in two areas, and we usually use about a gallon of water a week. So um, we try and keep uh, the foam, which is um, where the lettuce is planted. Um, we have to keep all of the water area covered so that we don't get a lot of evaporation. And um, that prevents us from losing our capacity and having to do that constant refresh of hundreds of gallons. So it's a small water use once you get it all started. Okay. And I know that you have everything staged into different stages. So mm -hmm. each bed, you've got your stuff that's st just starting right. from, from seed. And then like, I believe the next one over is like two weeks old. Mm -hmm. And then we have the last one, which is ready for harvest. Correct. So I believe it's three, three beds. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I got it going here. I got it going now. <laughs> so, and then that, that fourth bed really was that the garden rock area yes. where you had the cucumbers yes. and the tomatoes mm -hmm. and I believe the kale, I think was in there. And I think there was a pineapple plant. Yes. We have pineapples all over um, right now. <laughs> um, again, going back to the experiment, uh, just happened to have a pineapple from the grocery store. And we were eating it and I'm going, you know, you're supposed to be able to grow pineapples from the top. So right. we cut the crown, put it in um, some rock material and yes, it grows. <laughs> so we've harvested, um, they're slow growing as far as development of the pineapple. But yes, we've harvested, I think about 10 pineapples now since we started that a couple of years ago. So oh, we neat. keep planting them, you know, just to see. And it's kind of fun. Um, but yes, um, so you were listening really well. I was listening really well. Yes. Um, the seeds start in um, a medium that is called rock wool. It is like a spun glass, so we don't have any bacteria. Everything is um, that comes in, you know, we selectively pick out things that um, will not add to a problem later on. So rock wool is just... Uh, static material and it has a little cube and then you can put the um, seeds in the cube and now that's your container. So once okay. the seeds germinate, then we put them into a special tray um, and that's their first experience getting um, most of the fluid from the system and moving water so it has oxygen in it. And then when it's ready to be transplanted into the growing rafts, we do put them at the very end so that the little ones are farthest away and the bigger ones are close to you so that you harvest always the biggest ones. Mm -hmm. And so as the system goes through its rotation, you push the small towards the big 
Mm-hmm. And and that system then is continuous as well. So um, my family is actually right now washing rafts, the worst job on the planet. <laughs> um, <clears throat> nobody's favorite. And, um, and it's because we've had a couple of really large orders this last couple of days. So when when everything is being packed, the end result is you have empty rafts. But before we put them in and use them again, we have to wash them and then um, prepare them, which is using a, a very light bleach solution so that everything that may be growing on there is not. And, and I remember, again. too, before we walk into the greenhouse, you've got to go into the, the light bleach solution yes. to rinse off the shoes. Yes. And the same thing when before you leave, right. same exact thing. You right. always start in water, you end in water. Correct. Yep. We um, have biological controls um, specifically to guarantee that, again, nothing comes in that we don't want to come in. So um, we have to be careful even when the door opens, say, in the summertime, if we had insects that came into that first entryway, um, that they don't proceed and get into the second entryway because uh, if we're not careful, we might have that insect now taking residence in um, the greenhouse. And if it's something that likes lettuce or uh, is injurious to plants, then we have to deal with that. So that would be a problem. Okay. Um, You had mentioned in in that tour that you have your grandkids helping. Mm -hmm. So how old are the grandkids? Oh, this is the season to ask. Most of my grandchildren have birthdays between January and the end of April. (laughs) We just do birthday seasons. So my oldest grandson will be 12 on April 2nd, and he was involved in um, actually putting the the guts of the greenhouse together. So all the pipes, um, things like that, because they came packaged in bags and you'd open a bag just like a Lego system Mm -hmm. and you'd look at the diagrams and you had to put the pipes together. And Liam was very good at Legos. So he thought, well, this is the next step up. So that's great. And then um, he is also kind of a math wizard. So he helped me mass out the food. And so I taught him how to use a balance and each of the different kinds of food. And then I would tell him how much he has to mass out so that, you know, maybe this one gets 10 grams and maybe this one gets 500 grams. And he would figure all of that out and he knows all of the jobs. So he can plant and he can cut and he can um, package with most of the adults that are there. Um, The next one is Ellie. She will be six this summer. Um, Isley just turned five. Uh, We have... Dax, who is proud to tell me he's getting bigger, Grandma. I'm getting bigger. <laughs> and and he, um, he will be four. Uh, and then we have our two smallest ones, Crosby, who just turned two, and uh, Juniper, who will be two in July. And all of them have come into the greenhouse um, doing whatever. You know, sometimes like Isley will come in and she loves cucumbers. And so when the cucumbers are growing every day, she's, I got to get a cucumber. So she goes over, finds her cucumber and she eats it kind of like corn on the cob. Mm-hmm. By the time she's done at the greenhouse, she's got this little uh, leftover rind that goes right down the middle. Um, the kids have come in uh, to help, to visit, to Um, see the fish, Um, especially when we get a new crop of fish in, they're real tiny. And so they think that's kind of fun because it's like being babies. Um, And then we put windows in all of the tanks so that anybody can watch and see, you know, are the fish swimming? What do they look like? Do you see anything besides fish in there? You shouldn't. But um, yeah, they've they've been fun. And they're also inspirational because I didn't want a system that they couldn't be a part of in the generic sense. They, um, we grow organically. So when they come in, they pull the lettuce out and eat it and they pull the tomatoes Mm -hmm. off and they, they, for some reason they love kale. So they're all over there pulling the leaves of kale off and eating them. And because, um, of the organic, um, growing patterns that we have, they can do all of that because it's not going to be injurious to them. 
uh, because the water is 72, sometimes they think that this is like a big swimming pool. And so they start splashing <laughs> water. That's funny. Um, so we used to have extra clothes <laughs> when they would get soaking wet. And um, and they just enjoy the fact that, you know, this is, this is where we get grandma's lettuce. And uh, when I was grocery shopping one time with one of them, they said, well, we don't need lettuce. We have grandma's lettuce at home. So, right. that, you know, that's kind of cute. But um, it teaches them where their food comes from. Mm-hmm. And um, we use that whenever we can with with children so that there's a direct relationship. You know, as, um, Liam's kids have his, his class came out when they were in second grade, I believe it was, or third. And um, they study the development of the seeds. And so we went to school and helped them plant some seeds. And then they planted another set of seeds that we took back with us. Okay. And then in 30 days, which is about the turn rate of the lettuce that we were planting, um, we invited them out. And then we asked them, could they find where their lettuce was? Did they think it was the little stuff in the back? Did they think it was the teeny tiny stuff over here? And comparing to what they had grown in the classroom, they found out that they guessed wrong because we had timed it so that their lettuce would be ready to harvest. So it was right in the front and it was really big. They were so excited. And the goal was to have them produce that head of lettuce. And then we had actually two heads for each uh, student. We harvested it and then they were supposed to take it home so that they could make a salad mm-hmm. for the family meal. Oh, fun. Um, although everybody was hungry, so they started eating out of their, <laughs> their lettuce bag. But that's another story. <laughs> so you mentioned, you know, the the harvest. Mm-hmm. So where, obviously, once you, you started doing this, mm-hmm. now you have like a whole bunch of lettuce. So where can we go and get this lettuce? I'm, I'm assuming we've got some vendors that you sell to, or do they buy directly from you? Mm-hmm. Um, we have um, a lot of different, ideas on how to sell lettuce and and we have to kind of keep changing those depending upon whatever the a client wants and b what the world health situation is um so our biggest clients tend to be school districts and we deliver to them um on a pretty routine basis so that's the driver of the rotations right now because the kids are in school and then um during the summertime we vend to uh, golf courses um Things that are the opposite season of right. a school. Um, and you mentioned that you had um, some of the people in talking about sustainability and some of the local pro- um, people that are doing produce. Um, so we have uh, a permanent placement right now in Piggly Wiggly and Nakusa. Okay. And in um, Ruby Reds, uh, the 45. Yeah, that Mark, one. Yeah. Mark and Tell 45. Yes, there we go. Um, so she is also um, uh, takes my lettuce in and uh, family natural foods in town as well. Um, I was in Pritzel, so it was kind of that arm reach just a little bit south. Right. Um, not quite sure what's going to happen with that. But <laughs> with the new owners, yeah, you never know. No. <laughs> and um, so we kind of follow where people are interested um, in having the produce. And that's not to say I don't go out and try and get new customers. We do. Um, we have a lot of bars and restaurants that will buy a small amount, um, but that's perfectly fine because like there's, um, I think it's the Thursday delivery in the evening. It goes to all of the bars that will um, sell or use, I should say in their menus, um, the lettuce. And so, you know, that's like another thing. And um, yeah. And anywhere that anybody. Do you do the farmer's to... market? No, um, we're not um, set up for farmer's market. We tried it the first year. Okay. Um, and it right now is um, very userous of my two employees. So I have to actually send one employee in at seven in the morning for setup. And that means we have to pack her up Wednesday after work. Right. Um, and then she'll spend the whole day there. And if we can't generate enough sales, I can't even pay her salary. Right. So we have not ventured. Um, you know, it, it's something that I wish we could do. We tried it the first year. Um, and my son, Tyler, um, mm-hmm. sat out there in the parking lot. And it's good conversation, lots of interesting questions, um, a good, you know, meet and greet with your your uh, followers. Um, but what I need is like a team of uh not my first 
in, in and line. And the grandkids are too, too young A little yet. too young yet, yeah. Send them. Yes. Liam was actually helping his dad um, when they were vending. And now he probably could do it at his stage. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's yet to come. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then the fish. We got to talk about the fish. Because yeah. when we were there... You weren't sure what you were, if you were, you were waiting for the permit yes. so that way you could sell the fish. Yes. So let's talk about the fish. Yes. So you get them as little itty bitty baby tiny fish. We do. Um, all the fish come in as, um, they're about, I'm going to say about an uh, inch and a half, if it may be not even that. Um, we order them from a breeder in New Mexico. And then when I uh, give her a call, she will put me on the schedule. And if I call early in the week, I can usually get fish that same week. Okay. Um, and so uh, they arrive UPS, um, they fly them and are in my tanks within 24 hours. So um, they, it's, it's kind of like uh, any fish going back to your beta fish in the, <laughs> in the little bag. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we get a little bag with 350 fish in it. And so the biggest issue is that we're so far away. The UPS man actually knows when the fish are coming because he said, I think these are fish, you know, <laughs> get here quickly. Um, and so we have to, first of all, open the bag and get oxygen into them right away because they've been a bit oxygen deprived. And the other thing is that the ammonia that they um, collect is is what will kill them if you don't open it up quickly. But then we have to adjust them to our um, temperature of water. So we simply um, put the bag, it comes in a cooler and we, we keep the bag in there and then we will start adding our water to theirs. Mm -hmm. um, and then once that gets equalized, then- I remember floating the baggie in the yep. fish tank for you know a couple days. Yep. And then what'll happen is you actually have to uh, scoop the fish with a net out because if they brought anything from the their breeder- water. Into yours, you don't know what the end result could be, so you don't want to have a problem. Um, and then we keep them in the nursery um, until they are ready to be placed into the larger tanks. And that water, too, is being circulated amongst mm -hmm. the, everything else. So once they, they enter the building... They pretty much are already starting their filtration yes, system. Yes. That the nursery system is a driver on its own. So it has its own um, tanks and its own um, system that grows in a smaller arena. Um, so they're separated in that way, but the water is kept the same, the same temperature, same pH, same everything. Um, <clears throat> and that's primarily because that system was designed to either use as a nursery or if you wanted to try and do breeding, you could do breeding there. Um, all of the fish that we get are male and it's um, so you don't have breeding in the tanks and the breeding issue um, throws the pH off. So now what's going to happen is your lettuce isn't going to react well if the pH starts right. to move. And then the other thing is, is that we don't have any catching system. So when those little fry come shooting out, they'll end up in the rafts underneath your lettuce eating right. it. And you'll go, why is this lettuce dying? And all of a sudden you got all these little swimmers. So yeah, that um, we keep them all in the big tank and all male. And I think with all of the fish that we've gotten, we've only had two that we realized were female and they didn't, um, you know, they didn't breed. It was just when we were filleting them, we could see the egg sacs. So, um, so that was kind of interesting, but um, we did uh, pass inspections. So okay. we are now DACAP certified. Um, there are rules that DACAP sets out. So in my case, I'm considered a fish farm because I have fish. And then I'm a fish importer because the fish that we use, which are tilapia, are not um, indigenous to Wisconsin. Right. So because they're coming from outside, bringing them in. Um, and I have to make sure that nobody leaves with a live fish because that live fish could find its way into, say, a pond. That would not be good. Right. Um, but... Uh, Anyway, we, um, so our deck cap certified. So now we fillet, uh, and then, um, package them and freeze them. And so they're available, um, actually more at the greenhouse than not. Uh, we started, um, trying to get people to come in for the fresh fish, thinking that that was a, a market that we could explore, but the only people that were um, intrigued by that were some local chefs that didn't mind doing their own filleting. Right. So I couldn't, if they wanted a fresh fish, I cannot, um, you know, I can deliver it fresh. I cannot gut it in any way. So they have to be willing to do 
that part of the operation, and most people won't do that. Um, the other thing I found out is that the meat markets um, are not certified either to do fish. They're certified to do meat. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, it was a process, but we're, uh, we're state certified. I just went through my second inspection, and um, now I just have to find a better outlet to start moving the fish. Um, we do have um, sales at the door. So if people were to stop in, um, we will happily sell whatever they would like. And most often... So how many fillets do you kind of keep on, on hand? So, I mean, if this is, a, oh, I if think, this is someone who wants to come in and get yeah. like 30 fillets, I oh, mean, yeah. you would be able to... Yeah, I have okay. that. You've got that. <laughs> I've got that. Okay. And then um, one of the things that we learned through the pandemic was that people tend to um, shop for their family size. So where we were thinking, oh, we need to put like, five or six fillets in a bag mm -hmm. um, because that's pretty generous. Like one fillet is easily a serving. Um, then what we did was we said, okay, let's try two fillets in a bag. And we even do one fillet in a bag. And that has worked out really well because I have the families of one or two. Right. And then they can get exactly what they need. Um, and that's a much better situation. So um, we've put uh, the fillets in at Family Natural. We've put them in at the Stevens Point Co-op as well. Um, but part of it is uh, tilapia sort of had a bad rap um, a bit ago. And so you have people who are willing to try the tilapia or willing to say, no, I've seen that, you know, how they grow them. And I was like, if you haven't been to my greenhouse, you really don't know how these... And these are well cared for fish. Yes. I mean, yes. they are like happy fish. Oh, they are happy fish. Yes. Um, they get five very expensive different kinds of food and it's based on their development stage. So for example, when you have fry, they have a high protein because they're growing so fast. And then when they get older and sort of age out, we feed them less protein, but enough to keep them happy. happy. And, yes. Um, and then before we uh, fillet them, we actually do um, a purge system where we take them out, put them in a different vat of water for seven days, and we don't feed them. And so that helps them clean out any kind of flavor note that they may have gotten by being in the main system. So if you think of it like um, if you have fish that somebody caught and they were on the Wisconsin River and you could say, oh, well, this must be from the Wisconsin River because you can kind of taste that. Right. It gets like that, that earthy taste yes. to it. Yes. And each water body will have its own unique flavor note. Mm -hmm. um, and that's not what we want to have for our customers. So we, can, we have the ability to do this purge system. And um, so when you're ready to fillet, you drop the temperature 10 degrees and that will uh, cool their body down one more time kind of and um, firm up the fillet. And then when we're, we're harvesting them, we only do about, I think we do about 60 fish in a two to three hour period where we um, net them, fillet them, package them and put them in the freezer and then we'll do the next 60 okay. um, because they get stressed out and... I didn't realize how stressed fish get. I mean, who knew? Right, um, <laughs> right. But they can get stressed out. Um, and, you know, like the the kids will come in and they think it's great because um, when the fish see people, they think they're getting fed and they love being fed. And they jump all over and splash and they're crazy. Um, but when they get pulled out of the tank, there's a different response. And so we don't want to stress the fish out near the end of their life because that presents a different situation when you're trying to fillet them. I just um, had trouble with my last three, three and two weeks deliveries of fry. And it turned out I finally called Libby and I said, Libby, you know, we're getting a lot of fish that are dying. So in 350 fry that you get, we always count the number that arrive um, dead. And there were 50 and that's, that's fairly high. So something's got to be wrong. We tested the pH, you know, we, we did our ammonia analysis and um, it turned out that after the second one, we had half of the batch that had oh. died. Oh, wow. So that's fairly high. Right. Um, and she said that they just discovered that the grater that they were using, so a person who sits there and determines their size, um, 
was whatever the technique they were using stressed the fish out. So at that age, when they stressed the fish out, then they put them in a package and send them someplace 24 hours. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they're not happy they're going to die. Yeah. yeah. So, so I was like, okay, <laughs> just needed to know. Cause I was panicking. It was my system. You know, I mean, that's, you always like, okay, what's in the system? What's changed? Is mm-hmm. there anything that we haven't figured out? So you always have to be that problem solver, troubleshooter, so that you can catch it kind of early on. Um, but when we fillet the fish, um, it, we've got the system down now. It goes much easier. Um, they're a spiny fish. So we put gloves on just so we don't get poked as often. Mm-hmm. And um, the last fish that we filleted, we were one rotation out. We try and do, they spend about nine months to a year. And then we take them out. So every tank is now growing at a different rate. So you cycle them in at about every six to eight weeks. So there's six to eight weeks difference in age as you go around. Um, I've never had a person come in and say, could we get small fish? But we could get them smaller fish. Yeah. Right. So we just fillet the biggest fish and then, um, and we freeze them and we just keep them in storage until they're ready to go out. Um, But what we've noticed is um, with the purging that we've done, there's less stress, which means there's nice white meat. Um, everything tastes great, you know, so we've gotten that system down. First couple of times we filleted and we had our 10 best friends <laughs> sitting around a big table, filleting fish, trying to get the feel for how this was going to go. And we tried to do the whole tank, which by the time you do a whole tank, it's 250 fish. That's a lot of fish. Oh my gosh. It's a lot of fish of everything. Right. <laughs> and um, so I just kept on schlepping fish and they just kept, you know, filleting away. And I'm like, oh, this is not going to work well. <laughs> so now that we reduce the size and just kind of keep it a constant, it's working out much better. Right. Yeah, the smaller numbers always work out a little yeah, bit more. they do. So you had mentioned, we're going to kind of like backtrack on some of the stories. Oh, sure. So um, the greenhouse has got to yes. be kept at a constant temperature. Yes. And if power goes out, yes. someone has to spend the night in the greenhouse. <laughs> or someone did spend the night <laughs> in yeah, the greenhouse. Yeah, they did. <laughs> um, we did until we got a generator. Okay. Um, we realized that that was going to be the most important thing. So... As it turns out, the lettuce will tolerate the power going out for a small period of time, but it's the fish who will not have oxygen. And so for like 10 minutes, you've got before you're going to have fish that are starting to wonder where the oxygen is. So um, we have a backup generator that has proven itself time and time again. We are the last ones on our power line. So the thing is, is when there's a surge, even mm-hmm. we're the ones who are going to be, you know, there might be two people out and it'll be us. <laughs> so, um, so yes, that has been a lifesaver, but that was a necessary something that we put in. Okay. And where are you guys located? I know where you're located, but yep. where, where are you located? We are eight miles west of Port Edwards on Highway 54. So if you're driving between Port Edwards and Dexterville. You will find us right on the highway. Big white sign says cold snap. Um, I was surprised uh, even when um, the chamber came out and that we had a lot of good questions from that group. The number of people that said, I thought you were cold storage, like we would see butter. <laughs> and, it, and I was like, okay, this is a greenhouse. <laughs> you know, it, it was cute. I never thought of that that way. And um, well, it's in the middle of the cranberry country. Yes, it so is. In, we, we got this. This aquaponics yes. in the middle of cranberry country. So it kind of like when you're driving by, you're like, oh, that's where they store the cranberries. Yep. Because that's, the other that's one. what it looks like. <laughs> it so is. they're yep. storing cranberries yep. there. Yep. Exactly right. So um, so that was that was interesting. And um, the name and the artwork was designed by um, a local person. Um, and so when we uh, started this concept, I wanted to try and keep everything as local and source local as I could. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously I can't get tilapia locally. That's one thing that I haven't been able to do, but, um, uh, we were able to use a lot of talent from the local area, which was nice. And, um, the concept was because even in the depth of winter, the cold of winter, um, you can snap fresh vegetables. And so I was like, oh, that's really cool. Plus I really liked the (laughs) <laughs> it, it seems like it was an evolution of the green and the blue together when they mm-hmm. designed it. So that was kind of cool. Um, but uh, yeah, we're, we're out in the middle of uh, the country and um, in the wintertime or the times that we have our lights on. So 
in the summertime because we can get like a, a pretty solid 14 hour day. Uh, we don't have to turn grow lights on, but in the shortness of winter where you're getting the least amount of sunlight you have to supplement with grow lights and then we have our seed table which we flood with um, light as well to get them warm and to get them germinated and it glows pink so if you're driving you'll see this pink glow <laughs> in the middle <laughs> of the woods <laughs> and uh, it always reminds me of frosty the snowman when he was taking care into the greenhouse and, oh, yes. and i was like you'd be able to find this one because it's pink <laughs> so yeah. do you have a facebook page we do um, okay. We have a Facebook. Um, we are on Instagram, and those are the two. And we have a website. Okay. So, um, and both all of them are being renovated right now. So they can send messages, and we try and keep up with them. But um, most people are trying to uh, click the buy now button, and that has been deactivated because we actually did try to uh, vend nationwide um, until we realized that the cost of sending it. It's so cost prohibitive. I mean, right. I appreciate people really love fresh lettuce, but it's like, woo. Um, and, you know, the idea with having local produce is that you're reducing your carbon footprint. So if I didn't want to eat lettuce that came from California, now I don't want to send my lettuce there. <laughs> you know, kind of counters what we were right. intending to do. So, um, but I have uh, sent it to friends and um, in the Wisconsin area and it travels well. Uh, as long as it doesn't arrive in the winter, it's a little bit tough to protect because it's pretty tender. But we um, send it with the uh, the grow cube on so it has water as it travels. And um, they can choose to cut that grow cube off or they can leave it on and just put it in the fridge. Um, you could actually put it in a vase and have the lettuce continue to grow. Um, so, yeah, we kind of experiment with all of that. And um, we appreciate people's comments. We've had questions. I had a couple of people say, well, I've like this random tilapia that I have in my aquarium. Could I just bring it out and dump it in? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know where your tilapia has been. Right. <laughs> and yeah, it's, uh, it's one of the things I learned um, from another person who was in the business in the UP. And um, he was trying to set up so that he could get bluegill from a local friend that was doing it at a farm pond. And so he scooped up the bluegill that would fire his system. And because they came out of a farm pond, they acclimated, but they also brought some disease with them. And the only way to get that out is like clean your whole system. So you lose all your plants, all your fish, clean mm -hmm. everything down and start again. And that's about a six month project just to get oh, wow. everything emptied, cleaned, refilled and growing. So I didn't want to make that mistake. Oh, yeah, <laughs> most definitely. All right. So did we hit on just about everything? I think you did. All right. Remember a few things. Yes, yes. Good job. <laughs> there will be a test at the there end. There will be a test at the end. All I know is the fish are really cool, yes. and they do love it when people walk by. And these are really happy fish. They are. They are. And they, you know, they jump out And um, when we have... And there's a net to keep them in. There's a net so that they don't pop out and land on the floor. And if they pop out and land on the floor, we throw them back in. But usually they've, you know, done some damage, and they, they don't survive very well. But... Um, the school kids love it because we let them throw the food in and then they all stand close in the windows thinking they're going to see the food. Then they don't realize they're all going to splash on the top. So it's kind of like the Shamu show. <laughs> oh, well, I don't think we this. realized that too when it, we had the, the yes. open house. Yes. And it was like... Okay, she's gonna feed the fish. This is gonna be like super cool. And yeah. then all of a sudden everybody starts getting wet. They're like screaming. Okay, so <laughs> next time they feed the fish, we know yeah. to take two steps back. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And did you have some of the tacos that they were there um, making? Or yes, I did. Okay, because those were our fish. Yeah. So we arranged with uh, Casins to make the um, fish tacos with our fish just so people could try them. And he came up with a really wonderful recipe, which of course is trade secret. Um, <laughs> I, I asked, <laughs> um, but it was so good to see um, it and how it could be used. So right. it's really simple. Mm -hmm. um, so that was, yeah, that was a great um, collaboration with them. All right. Well, excellent. I'm so glad we were able to do this finally. Well, thank you for inviting me. This is an unusual um, media for me to try. So this is my first time. <laughs> thank you very much. We made it pretty easy. Uh, you did. You did. You guys are very engaging. So that was an easy thing to just warm up to. All right. Well, thank you, Pam. Thank you for having me. All right. You have a great day. Thanks. You too.
Nano, Carrie, you're going to get some tilapia over there. Oh, yes. Real soon. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go find some tilapia now. Yes. So that was great having Pam from Cold Snap visit us. I didn't, I, okay, you were there for the business after hours. I was. But I have not been there, so I didn't know exactly what we were walking into. We were talking about fish. Obviously, and I was thinking that um, aquaponics was more about the um, lettuce and things like that than fish, but evidently not. Evidently fish play a huge, huge role in it. It plays a huge role in it, and it is just it's really important to understand the uh, the key ingredient, the fish, and the fish are not swimming around in the lettuce. Like I originally thought, I mean, that was my first thought. I mean, I knew kind of what aquaponics was about, mm-hmm. but again, I really thought that the little fishies were swimming around in the lettuce and just like happy little fish. Evidently, that's not good because then they eat the roots of the lettuce. Exactly, which I did not know about. So I really was looking forward to like being a little pet and play in the fish. Which you cannot because they're, it's like gigantic, huge tubs. Right. Like the, the blue tote that we have that we sometimes have around uh, with the little red, white handles, the little rope handles. Yes. The plastic bushel. There you go. Uh-huh. So yeah, it's like that, but like 3,000 times bigger. Yes. And holds a lot of fish. And it holds a lot of fish. Tilapia, evidently. Yes. Now, my background with, with the whole um, water-based agriculture or you know, other medium than dirt, has, uh, my uncle did an experiment a number mm-hmm. of decades ago. <clears throat> and so he built a, a small-ish greenhouse and understand that that man does nothing small, right? Exactly. So it was like a 20 by 40 greenhouse that he set up with um, non-dirt media. And it kind of like was a kit. And so this was, goodness, maybe even in the 90s. Okay. You know, and back then before the internet really hit big, it was all like catalog stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So you get curious about it at the garden center. You find the catalog, maybe you found like a Better Homes and Gardens ad or something like that and requested more information. But then you could buy like the 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 media and just like um, little bricks. Because mm-hmm. then you get all the other products from the hardware store and then add in some uh, nutrient chemicals into the water and pumps and whatnot. So it was hydroponics. It didn't have fish. Ah, okay. Right. So it was n- a non-fish system. Okay. But now hearing from what Pam said, the, uh, the, the fish really add a lot to the system as, as far as, um, you know, breaking down the waste products efficiently and creating good, high-quality fertilizing um, um, water to be pumped to mm-hmm. the actual, like, like lettuces and stuff like that. Right. So, um, because these are pre-recorded shows, it's a day or two later. Have you, have you gone and picked up some of the tilapia? I went this afternoon to Ruby Reds. Yes. And they did not have any in. Oh, Okay, so as we say this, I remember that I picked up a pie, and the pie's in the oven, and I did turn off the oven. So, I sorry, I had to, like, turn around and go, shoot, I got a pie in the oven, because I'm having pie tonight. Um, <laughs> no, they did not have any tilapia in at that today. So, now, what's your favorite way to prepare the tilapia, Chef Carey? Um, really, just put your butter on top of it and... I like the old bay seasoning. So skin side down on a parchment lined yep. baking tray. Yep. Put a little pat of butter on top of there and sprinkle on your, your old bay. Pop it in the oven. You know, it's all good. And how do you know when the fish is fully cooked? Well, I normally go with the whole entire, you just know. Oh, um, okay, so so you know it is... Because of the way that it is. Right. You know it because of the look and the texture that it is. That's when you know when it's cooked. It usually takes about 15, 12 to 15 minutes. Um, it's going to turn like a good white colored. So it's going to start off like a little bit of a cream, a little translucent. But once it's cooked, it's going to turn that white 
look to it. Okay. And then each fish layer, so it kind of looks like it's been feathered a little bit. So they'll start, those edges will start to curl a little bit. And then you know that's when the fish is done, is when you get that white with the little bit of the curl, then you know. Well, there you go. I know. It's a little hard to do the, you know when you know. And you know because of the way that it is. Right. (laughs) And if you cook it for an extra five minutes, it's okay. I mean, then you get a little bit, it gets a little bit more crispier. Usually you're around the edge and the tail section where it's thinner. Right. So then you get a little bit more crispier, but then you know, okay, well, I checked it here. I added the five. When I checked it is when it was done. So it's okay if you overbake it. It's okay. You're going to get a little bit of a fish jerky feel to it, but it's all right. It's still edible. Now, have you ever tried the tilapia out on the, the gas grill? I have smoked. I have cedar planked it. Okay. So again, it's kind of like that same look. You're looking for... With the cedar planking, you get a little bit more of a smoke color to it, so it's going to turn a different color. But again, if you've uh, if you've cooked fish, especially a white, light fish like this, it's going to look a particular way, and you will know, okay, when it looks like this, then it is done. So it'll look like a cod or some other fish right. fry fish. Right. So like those, yeah, those white fish that are a little bit more lighter. Sea bass does the same exact thing. So it's just a matter of watching it and kind of going, okay, I can see the colors changing. When you get that last kind of color change where you notice it's not changing colors anymore is when it's going to be done. So this is one of those times where it's really good to have the clear window in your oven. Mm -hmm. So you can just sit, you know, kind of cross-legged on the floor staring at your fish as it cooks. Yes. And it's actually kind of fun to do. Right? (laughs) So. (laughs) I also like to do that with, uh, like, uh, cookies breads that raise or mm-hmm. you know especially cookies that melt you yes. know like some of you sometimes you put a large chunk of chocolate like a jumbo kiss in the center and it just like smooshes out yes mm-hmm. that is really fun to do too well good um i believe i'll be heading over there soon as well to pick up some lettuce and they did have some lettuce in i did not pick any up but they did have lettuce in but they did not have the the tilapia in. so fingers crossed the next time i go in there um, it'll be there. Either that, I'm going to go over and check the, uh, whole market or the natural food center. Yeah. Or I believe that was the second location that she had that she was selling the fish in. Family natural foods over yep. on West Grand Avenue. Yeah. So that was be my next location tomorrow is to check that place out and see if they have it in there. And they've got a lot of other good things as well. Um, I haven't asked them to be on the podcast quite yet because they do a lot of, um, a lot of vocalizing, a lot of advertisement in the mm-hmm. community. So I, um, actually, WFHR was over there um, the end of last year, I believe, for a, a kickoff. It was one of their first live remotes with the new system and setup. Oh, how fun. Yeah. So the Family Natural Foods has been around for a very long time, actually, and their story is pretty cool. Right. And I believe now is the time where they have the seeds for the garden for the gardens to come in. I believe that should be out right about now mm-hmm. because I do remember picking up some seeds a couple of years past. From over there, because just looking for some particular type of seed, that was one place I was able to go and find it. Well, we'll talk more about that in hour two. Excellent. And if anyone's interested in what's available on the market, it can head over to MyRapids.com or MyNacusa.com. Correct. As we're giving Nacusa some special We're giving special them some atten- love this year. Special attention this year, you bet. Um, you have a phone number as well. I do, and it's a very textable number as well. And that is 715-323-2577. Very good. Stay tuned. We'll be back. All right. Stay tuned and come back for hour two of My Rapids Real Estate Show, where we take a deep dive into central Wisconsin real estate market and more housing-related topics.